0: Good morning, Michael, I think you go, you weren't here when I chose the new book, so you missed out on it, but we're in 2 Timothy chapter 2 this morning. For our visitors, welcome, this nice couple from Sachs, is with us this morning, I pray that it's a blessing for you to be here, it's a blessing to us for you to be here. Second Timothy 2, last time we read chapter 1, which, just let's review, which began with the typical Pauline opening, he's an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, he reiterates that he's an apostle, he's sent out by the will of God. He received the truth of the gospel from Jesus himself. And he began to be a preacher of the good news of Jesus. He's he's reminding Timothy, I didn't take on this job because I just wanted to. God took it on for me. I had different plans in view when I met Jesus. And now they're different. Timothy, he talks about as his child in the faith. And what he wants for his beloved child and his ministry partner he and his friend is that grace and mercy from God would be given to him. From the Father and from the Lord King Jesus. This is all from chapter 1. He says he's very thankful to God for Timothy. He says, I pray for you all the time both night and day. And he says, I have a clear conscience. God knows how much I pray for you. And Paul says, when you come, it's going to bring me great joy to see you. Many, Paul said, had proved to be fickle in their devotion to Paul and in their faithfulness to God. And he talks about their um, unfaithfulness in the ministry, and then he contrasts that with Timothy, a man who is full of faith. Paul says, you have faith. I remember, it's like the faith that you have in your family too, your grandmother and your mother. You have it too. God blessed you. Paul is convinced that Timothy is the real deal a sincere, born-again, conscientious lover of God, and and friend and child in the faith to Paul. When we talked about this last time, we think this is the last letter that Paul ever wrote that we have now. It's like a farewell letter to his friend. And for instruction. But the point that Paul's making about Timothy is, it's evident God is saving you, Timothy. It's evident. And then he encourages Timothy to use his gifts, even to stir them up to more fruitfulness. We had a short discussion about this. The gifts of God can be stirred up, can be agitated, can be, made more active, and vice versa, they can become stale and still. Paul instructs his friend and his child in the faith, Timothy, to stir up the gifts that are in him, that were given to him, Paul says, by the laying on of hands, we don't know exactly what he's talking about. And there's a discussion about courage as it relates to the use of gifts. But there's a lot of persecu- persecution going around at this time. From what we know, Paul is in prison for the second time, but he's been in prison numerous times, and jailed overnight and beaten without trial. And other Christians have experienced this as well. And Paul is encouraging Timothy, be brave, be bold. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't shrink back. Verse 8 of chapter 1, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God when when he wants him to be bold and not to be ashamed and I mean when you think about it if you describe the one that you follow and no one ever no one honored him and no one loved him and no one believed him in fact they killed him in one of the most humiliating ways you can possibly be killed Paul says, don't be ashamed of Jesus. The testimony about our Lord, nor about me, his his prisoner. And then you could say, well, but but didn't you learn from somebody else? Did you know Jesus directly? No, I didn't know him directly. Well, how did you come to know about him? Well, my, my brother in the faith, Paul taught me about him. Oh, where's he now? He's locked up. He's in prison. How long, what? How long has he been in prison? Well, actually, they've given him the death sentence. What? This is your master? This is your teacher? You can see how you might hesitate to mention who your leaders are. Paul says, Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor me as prisoner. Share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Remember this. We talked about this before. The call of God to all who are saved, all who teach even. God plans it He purposes it according to his own purpose. There is a tension between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. But listen, there are secondary causes and there are primary causes for things. And salvation is caused by God Almighty. He plans it. He purposes it. He sends his son. He sends his spirit to quicken that individual. He's planned the whole thing. When? Paul says in verse 9, before the ages began. When is that? When is before the ages? Does that mean before time? Our minds recoil at the idea of there being no time. It's, It's hard to even understand. What do you mean no time? How do you exist if you don't exist in time? I can't make sense of it, but it is a thing before the ages began, meaning there were no ages yet. That's when God planned these things. Now, if you hear the sound of the gospel and you hear the teaching of the scripture, your responsibility is to repent and believe the gospel. And if you refuse and you remain in stubborn obstinance to God and refuse to repent, well, guess what will happen? You will prove yourself to be unworthy of eternal life. Don't say, God didn't choose me. What you need to say is, it's my fault. You're right. I deserve what I get. I earned it. I worked hard for it. The wages of sin. But God's work saves, but it's mysterious. Light came into the world by Jesus. You think this would be, I mean, it has been a blessing, but you would think it would be universally accepted. Light has come into the world, true light, real God dwelling among the people. What a blessing this is on humanity. Let us lay everything down at the feet of our Savior. Except that's not what happened. Men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Jesus came to his own. They didn't receive him. They hated him. They killed him. And those who continue on in the ministry, Paul is encouraging Timothy, if you carry on in this legacy of Jesus, you are going to be hated too. You are going to suffer too. And Paul talked about not being ashamed himself because he knows the reality of what God is doing. He's confident in God, really like what we read about this morning. He's not trusting in himself. He's trusting in God. He's not trusting in anything outside of God. The hand of God will guard his ministry and his life. If God decides that today's the day, Paul says, fine. If I die, I'm with the presence of the Lord. I'm happy. That's what I want anyway. But then Paul tells Timothy, when I'm gone, remember the pattern of life and ministry that you saw in me. Remember, faith and love that you get by knowing Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. And then finally at the end, Paul mentions some people infamous, right? Some who did not guard the ministry. They were not brave. They did not persevere in the faith. They turned away. We're not sure why. Maybe they were ashamed of Paul once he was in prison. Paul says, "All in Asia, they all left me." Phygellus and Hermogenes are two that he names specifically. They left me. And then he mentions one, Menasophorus that he refreshed Paul, helped him, even searched through Rome in order to find him that he might minister to him. Well, that was a little bit lengthy, but now that brings us to chapter 2. So let's have a word of prayer before we read chapter 2. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these that you've gathered in the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, we do pray that you would bring glory to your name in spite of us, Lord, We want to glorify your name. We want to worship you in spirit and truth. And we know, Lord, that we fail. We're not as devoted as we ought to be. Our songs are not sung as sincerely as they should be. Our prayers are not as deep as they should be. But, Father, we pray that you glorify your name. And glorify your son, Jesus. And, Lord, help me now as I preach. Bless me. My desire is not to tell your people my idea, but to, for you to speak to them through me. Please bless us in our hearing and help it to go down into our inmost parts. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We'll read 1 through 13 right now. Verse 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace of that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. He also will deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Amen. Paul gives Timothy a charge to be a good soldier of King Jesus. This is an interesting charge. He wants Timothy, he's been telling Timothy, to be bold. In the ministry, to be strong by God's grace. If you think about this, Christians have resources that others do not have. Christians have knowledge that those outside of Christ do not have. We know that our Savior loves us, do we not? We know that he understands our plight because he lived a human life and was tempted just like we are, and suffered as we do. We know that Jesus is praying for us at all times. Quote, he always lives to make intercession for us. We know that he sent the Holy Spirit of God to help us and to pray for us. And armed with that knowledge, we should fear no evil, right? Our God is with us, as we read this morning. He is our help. He is our shield. Crash on us what may come. Victory is ours in Jesus, right? We have resources that others do not have. Paul says, Timothy, my child, sh- be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The, the grace that is in Christ Jesus, recount it, Timothy, it should strengthen you. It should make you brave. Not that you would shrink back in battle. No. That you would push on in the fight because you know these great things about God that others do not have. They do not have these truths. Verse 2, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So all these truths that I've just mentioned and many more, we should pass on those truths. Paul is telling Timothy, do that. There's been a lot of people in the ministry that you've heard me preach these things to. You teach those to other people. Do that. The truth about the forgiveness of our sins and fellowship with Jesus by faith, this can be a difficult task, can't it? To pass on these things that we've been taught to others. It's a difficult task. I mean, let's think about it. Yourselves, but also others. Many are sincere and have strong faith. And I've met many people since I've been a Christian, since 1997, who know the gospel clearly. It's not, if you ask them, why do you believe in Jesus? Their answer is clear and right. And I'm thankful for that. But not many are willing to take on the task of teaching others. Not many are willing to take what they've learned and pass them on to other people. Early in in my own personal faith, I had a desire to serve others in the body of Christ. But it wasn't until my time in Cambodia that I had a strong desire to pass on what I knew to others, who would be able to pass on what they now know to others. And again and again and again. It it just didn't it wasn't as powerful of an idea in my mind until I was in a country where there were so few people who knew the gospel. It seemed very important. I need to pass on what I know. But it's no less important here. There's 300, almost 350 million people in the United States. Cambodia is a small country, less than 20 million. I mean, the, the knowledge is definitely different, for sure. But are you gifted with a clear knowledge of the gospel? Do you know the gospel clearly? I know most of you very well, and I know that you do know the gospel clearly. And possessing clear knowledge of the gospel, do you have sound interpretation of the scriptures? Do you search through the scriptures for your own ideas and then promote those? Or do you promote the ideas contained in the scriptures? It's different. You can twist scriptures to fit your idea if you want to. If you have a clear knowledge of the Scriptures and can rightly interpret the Scripture, and by the way, the Scripture is meant to be understood. It is meant to be understood. This is a doctrine. The clarity of the Word of God. It has specific meaning, and most of the time it's very easy to know what the meaning of it is. Do not steal. Do not lie. Honor your father and mother. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Don't worship idols. Honor God. Give thanks to him. Love your neighbor as yourself. These things are not easy to do, and they are deep, but they're not hard to understand. God gave it to us in a way Because he wanted us to understand. Do you understand? He wanted to reveal himself to us. I I like what Brother Edward says sometimes. If God wanted to play hide-and-go-seek with you, you would never find him. But he wants you to find him. He wants to reveal to humanity who he is, what his character is like. And he had his prophets write it in a way that can be understood with real words that humans use. Okay, do you have the ability to read the scripture and to explain it to someone else? If you do, let me encourage you, as Paul encouraged Timothy. Be brave. Be bold. Use your knowledge for God's kingdom. Don't sit back and wait for others to do the job. I don't know why, but whenever I think about this, I always think about that song that says, Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Are you ready to play? I don't mean this is playtime. I mean, are you ready to be involved? And let me encourage you and let me admonish you and remind you of the words of Jesus. Quote, Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching and their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction, When he saw the crowds he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Listen to the words of Jesus. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Matthew nine thirty five through thirty eight. We tend to think, if you you think like me, that the harvest is small. Oh, Lord, the whole earth is turned away. They love darkness. The harvest, there's hardly anyone saved, rarely. Jesus says that is not the problem. There's plenty to harvest. There's no laborers. Who's going to go bring it in? Jesus said, you need to pray for laborers. Isn't this interesting? The harvest is there. Where are the workers? Where are those? Do they have a clear knowledge of the gospel? Are they able to teach it to others? Use it. This this passage is Paul talking to Timothy but it still applies it applies to much who much is given much is required verse 3 share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus it is a tough well it's given that the life of a soldier is a tough life can be very tough, especially those who are in combat and who've had multiple tours of combat. Trauma, suffering. They've either been shot themselves, injured. They've seen people who they've loved and worked with, shot or injured. Terrible things happen to civilians that are around them. It's a tough life, but Paul encourages Timothy And I think us also to be good soldiers. And this is not for the faint of heart. But if we're armed with the knowledge that we have of God's love of the world to sinners. We shouldn't shrink back. We should be good soldiers. One who doesn't grow weary or give up, but who fights on and on and on and one who's focused on the mission at hand. That's what verse 4 is talking about. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. This is not talking about Christians should build a wall around a hundred-acre compound so that they cannot get entangled in civilian pursuits. That is not what he's saying. Jesus prayed specifically, I'm not asking for you to take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. Paul's point is if you're going to be a good soldier, you must be focused. You are representing something bigger than yourself. A soldier that gets entangled and tied up with things that are hindering their alertness for the battle, that is not a good soldier. Is it? There would be charges brought up and things would happen to soldiers who are not alert and not doing their job. Paul says, Timothy, be a good soldier. Share in suffering as a good soldier. Don't get tangled up, entangled with civilian things, things that aren't related to this. You're supposed to serve and please the one that you're serving. Verse 5, these are the, I think what he's getting at is that these are the rules of engagement. If you're running a race and you're trying to win, well, there's rules to that too. Well, you're going to be a soldier. Suffering is going to happen, but be strengthened by the grace of God. Teach others too. And that is something that soldiers do also. The ones that are more battle-tested and experienced, they teach things to the younger ones so that they can have the knowledge also. Verse 6 and 7, it is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. I think his point is the hard work should bring fruit. You should expect for it. Not the distracted or the lazy soldier, not the ashamed or scared soldier, but the good soldier. The soldier that's looking for the harvest and looking for the blessing of their master. Paul says, if you think about it, if you think about it, you'll see that this is wisdom and understanding from the Lord Jesus this is not this is not that difficult If you're going to be a good soldier you have to stay focused you have to be brave and you have to know that there's suffering that will be connected to it push on because we know the grace of God that we have in Christ Jesus that's what Paul was saying from chapter 1 I'm not ashamed about the gospel I know what I have in the gospel and it's amazing they can lock me up and do whatever they want I will continue to preach and we saw this many times right when we were going through the study of Acts when Paul was beaten and they told them don't go around talking about this name of Jesus anymore and they release them and they immediately start preaching the gospel again and they're like didn't we just tell you to be quiet and remember the boldness at which they spoke Paul said My command comes from somebody higher than you, and I'm going to obey his voice rather than your voice. What boldness, right? Bravery, courage. Paul wants Timothy, remember those things, many of those things Timothy was present for. Remember those things. Remember the things that you've been taught. Teach them to other people so that when you're gone, they'll be able to teach to other people. Now, I don't know how many generations of Christians it is from Timothy until us, but I'm going to guess a lot. Many, many generations of Christians from Timothy until us. Is there a trail of blood that leads back to Timothy? I don't know, but (laughs) that was an inside joke. Sorry. Timothy, unto us, I don't know how many generations it is. Hundreds, perhaps thousands. And each one obeyed this teaching. To teach others, to share the things that they've heard, from the generation before and from the Scripture. Verse 8, do you need more encouragement for the task at hand, Timothy? Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. He's alive. Remember, you need more encouragement? Remember, Jesus is alive. He's present to help and strengthen. He came as prophecy fulfilled. The offspring of David. Verse 9. Paul says, I'm suffering for that gospel. I'm bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. He doesn't shrink back because he says the word of God is not bound. It can't be bound. Verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul's ready to endure anything, everything. The mission is so important. The commission is so honorable that he will endure heavy persecution and suffering. Why? Because it leads to the success of God's mission that the elect of God, those chosen before the ages began, will be saved by God's grace. Eternal glory comes as a result of this for Jesus and the elect. Paul's ministry, listen to me, this is very important for a church who believes the things that we believe, that salvation is of the Lord. He's not hindered, or excuse me Paul's ministry is not lazy because he believes that God is saving the elect The opposite is the case It it doesn't hinder Paul's ministry because Jesus teaches things like this All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. When I read that, I feel confident Jesus is going to accomplish the mission. Nothing will stop him. He will be successful. And Paul knows that, too. But it doesn't make Paul lazy. The reality of election, of predestination, should not lead us to undermine, that is, to destroy the force of, or the value, or the effectiveness. The the reality of election and predestination should not lead us to undermine the effectiveness of evangelism or the mission field. Why does Paul work so hard? Why does he strive so hard? He knows these things. He, we actually know them because Paul wrote it down for us to know. It doesn't cause him to be lazy. In fact, he works even harder. He knows there will be success. God is saving his people. It's empowered. His ministry is empowered because of this knowledge. It's not hindered. It doesn't become a stumbling block for him to be lazy and let other people do the work and for him to say, God's going to save his people. He is going to save his people and he's going to use his people to do it. And then this section ends with Paul summarizing basically what he just said. Those who by faith in Jesus have died with him also live with him. When we endure suffering, we endure with Jesus. He also endured. If we deny him, okay, well, that's a place of serious error. A perpetual denial of Jesus equals wrath and condemnation. But the last verse there, verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. When we are faithless, when we doubt, when we don't trust him completely, Jesus is still faithful. He was given a commission. To save those given to him by his father. He will only and always remain faithful to that mission. He will succeed. In Jesus, we have the victory. And you might be waking up every morning, whatever it is that ails you in your life, whatever emotional problems have been happening to you, whatever um, complications in your relationships, whatever job stresses, whatever persecution that you experience because of your faith, it might feel like we don't have victory, but we do have victory. Can you see it? Deuteronomy chapter 20, the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. Psalm 108, with God we will gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies. Colossians chapter 2, having disarmed the powers and authorities, That is, take away their weapons. Having taken away their weapons, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Does that sound like losers or winners talk? Sounds like victory to me. Your enemies are disarmed. And you make a public spectacle of them. 1 John chapter 5, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. 1 Corinthians 15, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The Bible speaks again and again about victory. Persevere to the end. The victory is guaranteed. It is the, the, the war has already been won. Jesus defeated death. Will you cling to him? Because in him there's victory. But listen, without him there is no victory. There is an expectation, as the Old Testament puts it, that they will pass and be remembered no more. Gone. As if they were never here. That's not the way the Scriptures talk about God's people. Precious in God's sight is the death of his saints. That God sings and exalts over those whom he has saved. That he's overjoyed at their salvation. That he's prepared a room for them and a place to be with him forever. There's no crying, there's no sadness, no sickness, and no death. And they live with him like this forever everlasting life. This is victory. This isn't a small victory. This is total victory. Even those who were killed for the faith, they're resurrected from the dead, and their bodies are better than they ever were before, and they live on and on and on forever and ever. Every single thing that God's enemies have done or tried to do will be canceled, undone resurrected total victory you believe that do you live like that let's live like that it is true total victory even what they thought was going to be the unraveling of God's plan by killing his son that was part of the plan God confounds the wisdom of the world. Those who scheme and scheme and think that they're going to somehow trick God, there's no defeat of God. Total victory. It's a blessed thought, Christian. I know that we want to love our enemies, and we don't want to think about stomping them into the ground. I understand this, but from God's point of view and those who attempt to overthrow him, it's pitiful. In the Old Testament scriptures, we hear God say, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock you when I see you. You dare challenge me? I will crush you completely. And it would be our end also, but by God's grace. And faithful teachers bringing the gospel to our ears at the right time. So let me me encourage you as we end. Be bold. Be brave. Be a good soldier. A focused soldier. Don't be scared. And use what you know don't be the servant that Jesus says, you wicked slave. You knew I was a hard man. You should have at least invested it. You buried it. It's terrible. Don't be like that. Be like the faithful servants who used what God gave them and made a, a fruitful return from it, That your master may look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's rest where the victory is. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we confess that these things are a challenge to us. We are often distracted and often cowardly and often lazy. And that's not what we want to characterize our lives of faith, Lord. Bless us and help us. Forgive us to where we failed you in the past, but help us, Lord, moving forward, that we would be focused, that we would understand that there is a very high calling to pass on the gospel to the next generation, especially to teach others how to teach. Lord, we thank you for the victory that we have in Christ. We thank you for so many promises and helps in the scriptures for us. Help us to cling to these things, to believe them, that we might um, persevere unto the end. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.